Welcome to episode 98 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I am your host, Rose Griffin, and boy, do we have an amazing show for you today. Today, I am interviewing my friend and business partner, Rachel Torrance. You may not know, but I have another business called Super Vision Academy. And at Supervision Academy, we provide remote supervision for those seeking the BCBA. And it's such a joy to talk with Rachel. I met Rachel probably about 10 years ago here in the Cleveland area at a networking event. And she is just a wealth of information and ambassador for the field and science of applied behavior analysis. She is a board-certified behavior analyst and has had many professional roles, and often worked in settings where consultations are provided. She now is a consultant, and she's working with parents, school districts, and private agencies to advocate that clients access appropriate services and achieve desirable outcomes. Today, we're talking all about how does one become a board-certified behavior analyst. And as the field has grown, this has changed quite a bit. So we are going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about the supervision that is needed to get your BCBA. And we are really excited to share this episode with you today. Let's dig on in. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 98 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have an amazing show for you today. Might be a little biased, but I'm having my business partner and friend on, Rachel Torrance. Thanks so much for joining us, Rachel. It's nice to have you on. Hi, Rose. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be on for episode 98. Oh, my goodness. I can't even believe it. So I feel like we met way back in the day through milestones. I I think I remember meeting you at a networking event that we had. But I mean, I wonder how long ago that was. Had to be eight years ago, maybe, or... So? Has to be probably, I would say about 2015, 2016 or so. I definitely remember meeting you at one of the ABA groups. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm on the board at Milestones Autism Resources, which is a national autism resource agency, and they provide a lot of great tools, resources. They have a conference every year and they provide some supports to professionals. And I think we attended some group events together. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Then we started a whole company together, which we're going to talk about in just a little Mm -hmm. bit. But for those of you uh, that do not know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got into the field and what you're up to now and all that good stuff? Absolutely. Thanks. So I'm Rachel Torrance. I'm a board certified behavior analyst, and I'm also a licensed intervention specialist. I've worked in many, many, many capacities as a teacher of students with special needs, pretty much across grade levels. I've worked as a consultant for a local uh, DD agency here outside of Cleveland, Ohio. I started a company back in 2015, um, an ABA agency providing supports, mostly home-based, but pretty much across settings. And it was later acquired. And I am now back to uh, just two companies and I'm loving I'm loving it. So I, I have both Supervision Academy with you, where we provide remote-based supervision for people pursuing 
the board certified behavior analyst certification. And I'm also a consultant providing supports across settings. I do a lot of work in the schools as a behavior analyst. I do work with some attorneys um, as an expert witness, and I do some home supports as well. And that's under my own self-employed LLC, uh, Behavioral and Educational Expert Services. So I kind of wear many hats, but I love ABA. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I remember. I think that's how I first met you. You presented at Milestones, which I've been going to that conference for about 20 years. And I was like, she really likes ABA. She is into the science of ABA. We we are going to be fast friends. And, and that's how it was. So um, I'm excited to have you on, though, because I really I haven't talked about Supervision Academy all that much here on the podcast. So I'm excited to share about the work we're doing there. And also just t- talking about becoming a BCBA, because I do get asked that often, especially from speech therapists who are who are interested. And so I think it'll be nice to have a podcast to refer people to when I get all those questions and it will be nice because it's it's a process and as the field has grown it has changed and i've been duly certified for 10 years how how long have you been a bcba do you know well i've been implementing aba since the 90s a fun fact cooper heron and heward were my professors back at the ohio state university where i attended from 93 till 98 after undergrad and master's so my foundation as a special education teacher was always ABA, but that was prior to the BACB even forming, literally. Um, So I kind of took a backwards approach and got Mm -hmm. a lot of experience and worked as a consultant and then went back after having babies and getting my BCBA. Mm -hmm. So I have been board certified since 2015. Okay. But I've been in the field since 98. So That's right. I remember seeing them at Ohaba and they were signing books. So there's the Cooper book is what they call it, the white book. It weighs about five pounds now, maybe more actually the newest edition. I, it, is it's literally growing. <laughs> I have version one, two, and three. Oh my and it, it gets bigger and bigger. Every, uh, it, every it's, edition. It's been, yeah. It's been neat to see the field grow. Um, so if with our field growing and, and the requirements kind of changing, can you talk to people about what does it mean to become certified? Some of like, how does one proceed if they're interested? Oh, absolutely. So in order to become a board certified behavior analyst, you have to have specific courses that you take. It can be part of a post-master's grad class, you know, post-master's coursework. It can be part of a master's degree. And you, so there are specific educational requirements. You also need to be supervised by a board certified behavior analyst. And there are specific number of hours you need to accrue. There's mandated observations. There's specific things with regards to feedback and how you get observed and what you're learning. And the BACB does have a whole, it's called the BACB handbook, like online. They do spell it out. But there are those different requirements and some, and there are some additional um, routes to certification mm-hmm. depending on your degree and such. But typically people will either obtain their master's degree as part of an ABA coursework sequence and then obtain certified hours and then they sit for the exam or they have their master's like I did, for mm-hmm. instance, and then took post-master's coursework, obtained uh, supervision hours when I was ready, I sat you you sit for a formal exam as well. It is a formal exam. Absolutely. And you know, I don't know where you took your so where did you take your classes for your BCBA? 
I went to Florida Institute of Technology online and I loved it. Um, It was a good fit for me as a somebody who's worked as a teacher and a consultant and then wanted to learn that. Um, Yeah, it's a great program. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that. I I did UNT because I was living in Austin, Texas at the time. And then it was really neat, though. We had a BCBA. Actually, her name's Kelly Rich. You might even know her. She started the Verbal Behavior Conference. I think we've talked about that conference. Anyway, she um, was my supervisor. So it was amazing because her supervisor was Dr. Carbone, which is just blows my mind. He's like (laughs) very important in the field. Um, So it was a really nice time to have that. Yeah, supervision is definitely important. And they've changed it for speech therapists. So when I did my coursework and supervision, I was able to, with my speech therapy masters, I was able to get those 15 credit hours or whatever it was, and then do my supervision, take my formal exam. Then at one point they changed it and they said they were not accepting the masters uh, for speech therapy in speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now they're back to accepting it. So, but I think they are going to actually change that at some point. So just something to think about if you're a speech therapist and you're wanting to, to do the BCBA and get your certification and that formal exam is a doozy. I think you passed on the first time too. I, you know, it was a lot of studying. I think I studied for, three months because I was very nervous. People talk about how hard the exam is in there. I mean, they're not lying. It's it's hard, right? It's so hard. And you really need to learn the content as well as be able to apply it to natural situations because they'll they'll present a scenario and then you need to be able to answer questions based on that. So it's not just knowing the definition. It's being mm-hmm. able to apply what you know to specific scenarios. You also need to really know how to take a test. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other behavioral repertoire too, because <laughs> you can spit out a definition. You can be able to apply it to a scenario, but you also really need to be able to know what are they asking? What's the best choice out of these four? And that's a whole other skill. It is. And it's it's hard. And there weren't... I did the BDS modules. I didn't have to do those as part of my coursework, but I did do those as part of my studying. I mean, that's really what I used. I used the book and I used the BDS modules and I had a study schedule and I stuck to it like any good BCBA would. And, and that is how I passed. Did you use the modules too? Or what did you use to study for that I- test? Yeah, I I used a few different resources. The BDS modules I love. That's probably my top favorite, you know, one of, in my mind, one of the best ways you can study. Yeah. Um, It was not mandated as part of my coursework either. I know some of the universities do mandate it, which I think is a great Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I took it and I did it to fluency and it was wonderful. I took notes while going through those modules. Uh I also, you know, it's important that, and I know I've talked about this in other trainings, but it's really important that you know how you learn best. Like Mm -hmm. for me, I've never done well with auditory learning. It's just not my Mm -hmm. best mode of learning. And flashcards weren't necessarily the best. I'll do it for a few things, but I'm really good with linear and outlining and seeing big picture and all the pieces and parts. So I literally outlined everything like my Cooper text. I have book one, two, and three outlined, and it's just how I learn. Um, as well as my FIT coursework, I went through and 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 re-outlined that. And I made study sheet, like almost like a study guide for myself, which was highly valuable. The other things that I did with studying, which was great, was the Pass the Big ABA program. So they mm. have a manual that's a great 
resource and review, as well as some of the prep classes I took with them. And actually, Florida Institute of Technology had some prep classes. Those were great. That's neat. I didn't have access to anything like that. I just remember having the modules. There's a lot of different options out there now that can be how you learn and how you prepare best. And yes, I was very happy to be (laughs) done with that test and say, okay, I'm certified. And it's neat to be SLP and BCBA. There's less than 500 people in the entire world that are both of those things. So we call each other unicorns. And (laughs) that's, that's, (laughs) I don't know, that's the mascot. I guess that's what what we say. Uh, Super, super fun. Okay, thanks for clearing some of that up about how to become a BCBA. Obviously, supervision is a big part of becoming a BCBA, so much so that we've formed a business together called Supervision Academy, where we provide remote supervision for people wanting to earn their BCBA. And that came up organically, I feel like, because there was one person who needed supervision. And I, my niche area is definitely communication and ABA. And I knew your niche area was a lot of things, but definitely FBAs and the behavioral component. And so I think many, many moons ago, we shared one client informally by providing supervision. And then we decided, hey, let's make this a business. I feel like maybe, was that three years ago we started it? Maybe? I don't even know. Yeah, probably was about three years ago. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, 2019. Um, And I feel like there's so much misinformation about supervision or people just don't understand about it. So can you just explain what supervision is and just some of the requirements? And and they're ever-changing. So if you listen to this podcast a year from now, you might want to visit the BACB and check and see what is happening currently. But can you just give us an overview of supervision and all that good stuff? Absolutely. So again, it's the supervision hours, like the hours that somebody accrues while working towards the path of BCBA certification or BCABA certification. You need to have the coursework, you need to have the supervised hours, you need to sit for the exam, you need to have specific educational requirements, etc. And the supervision component currently in 2022, (laughs) you need to have, uh, well, there's an intensive path. Um, Mm -hmm. There's an intensive set of hours or Mm -hmm. traditional. And like the traditional, for instance, is 2000 supervised hours that you need to have, which means you work directly underneath a board certified behavior analyst who has a certain number of years of experience, typically, unless they have additional mentorship and such. And the person pursuing the certification is directly supervised by that BCBA and or a group of BCBAs. And in our case, this is one of the reasons why we started Supervision Academy. We knew that the BACB encouraged multiple supervisors and the value of it because we Mm -hmm. do all have our unique skill sets. Like I'm much more experienced with assessment, curriculum, consult, behavior change things where Mm -hmm communication was more your realm. And so put us together, somebody's going to have even a a better experience with the supervision. And so what you do is you're you're working directly with a supervisor or a group of supervisors where they're providing you clinical expertise. They're making sure that you have learned and mastered the specific skills and competencies that the BACB mandates as part of the task list, which Mm -hmm. is the set of requirements. Um, it's almost like the standards, right? Of what mm-hmm. you need to have at minimal minimal knowledge and competencies of what a board certified behavior analyst does. 
or a BCABA. And so that supervisor provides behavior skills training, direct teaching, guidance, feedback, all of the above Mm -hmm. um, in order to make sure that you learn those skills and competencies. Absolutely. I think what's so helpful too, I remember during my supervision, uh, I loved group supervision. So when I was down in Texas, it was myself, another autism facilitator in my district. And then we had two people. One came from about an hour outside of Austin. And then the other person came from a place that was in Texas, four hours away. And it was very different experience, what he was going through and what he was helping to support teachers with how we were working in our district, which was a really progressive district where they were doing a lot of training and ABA for the staff. So I always like talking to people and building that sense of community, which I, I love doing at Supervision Academy. I've been really busy right now with ABA speech, but in 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 the past, I've done groups, which I really love because I think that's what's so cool about the Supervision Academy is that we have people from all over that are getting their BCBA, but it's neat to hear one person's view of something that lives in Oregon versus somebody that lives in Ohio versus somebody that lives in Virginia and just being able to support each other because getting your BCBA is a lot of work and it's really, it's really stressful. You're you're usually working, you're taking classes, you're taking tests, you're studying for the exam. So, so supervision should not be overwhelming. And I think the other reason we started Supervision Academy is that we wanted to offer really robust supervision because sometimes what happens is people sign on to place for employment and they say that you're going to get free supervision and they have really good intentions, but that BCBA that's providing supervision is really busy and they have a really busy caseload and maybe they didn't even want to supervise, but it's part of their job. And so they're not able to do as much of a job as we can do at Supervision Academy. Because I always say, this is what we do. This is the only thing that we do. So we're really good at it. And it's it's kind of a passion project. Okay, thanks for clearing up some of those issues. And supervision is is such a biggie. I do all of our intake calls. So if you if you want to do a consult, you know, we'll put it in the show notes how to book a call. But I have heard a lot of horror stories about supervisors. So because I'm taking a lot of those frontline calls. Um, So can you tell us some questions that people could ask a potential supervisor? What might be important to ask? Absolutely. And and especially with, oh gosh, I've worked in many different capacities and I've worked with people who have worked in different kinds of settings and what your supervision experience looks like really depends on both the supervisor and the person pursuing the hours, as well as the setting and the funding mandates, right? Like, so there are different um, pros and cons to every situation. And, and I love that we can be highly individualized and really structure that supervision to meet the supervisee's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things to think about is really like, do you have a curriculum? Are you set in a specific curriculum? Are you open to thinking outside the box? Mm -hmm. And I am a huge, I believe in doing that, like even within my own cases, right? Like we go in and we do an assessment and we identify what the strengths are and what the needs are. We do the same thing at Supervision Academy with the person Mm -hmm. who's pursuing the hours. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they've come to us with supervision, they've already been accruing many hours and now they need to add us on for whatever reason in order to supplement the hours that that they've already received. Or perhaps they've earned a lot of 
restricted hours, but they need more unrestricted activities. And so I guess some of the questions that I could think of that you would ask when looking at a supervisor is like, are you set with a curriculum? Are you open to having it more individualized? How do you determine what you're going to teach and how you're going to support? How do you provide feedback to the supervisee? Um, I would also ask the supervisor how they teach and how they support. Um, What does that observation look like what's you know what's a typical Mm -hmm. meeting going to look like and and see if it's a good fit too also find out what that supervisor's experience is and if it's experience that fits your current setting and your setting that you plan to work in once you are certified you know you might be a for instance we work with a lot of teachers with supervision academy and a special education teacher may plan to be a board certified behavior analyst and stay in a teaching classroom, we're going to craft that supervision experience to make sure you learn the skills and competencies to be a great BCBA as well as provide services to students in that setting. If you're planning to be a consultant in a school or work in a clinic providing insurance-based ABA, you're going to also need to learn additional things and make sure that supervisor is able and willing to teach you those things because it's important. It is. And I think logistically, too, make sure they have a contract (laughs) that they send you. If somebody doesn't have a contract or asks you for a contract template, run. And those are some of the things making sure. I think that's something I love, too. The the HIPAA secure Google folder where people can upload their video for their observations. You really need to have those systems in place. It's not to say that you couldn't be supervised by somebody who's never supervised before, but they want to be in touch with all the rules because they're always changing and they want to have some of these very general things in place. Because if you don't, oftentimes I'll be in Facebook groups because I spend a lot of time on social media because of ABA speech and I will see people asking for contract templates or asking about rules for supervision. And that makes me really nervous for the person that they're going to supervise because you don't want to have so much riding on somebody who's inexperienced, who maybe doesn't even know you have to take the supervision training and and some of those things that there are certain requirements to be a supervisor. And I think sometimes people get feel really defeated when they go on the BACB website because you as a BCBA can say, yes, I'll provide supervision. And a lot of people check that and then people will contact 10 people in their area and then nobody can supervise or nobody actually even gets back to them because they're busy and they don't really have the time to supervise. They think it might be nice, but they don't really have the time to work it in. So those are some things to definitely think about too. I love that. Um, what is- oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Rose, oh, before okay. we go to the next question, yeah. just two more thoughts on that yeah. too. You really do. You want to make sure that if you're going to meet remotely or share information that both supervisor and supervisee have HIPAA and FERPA and meet all the law requirements of exchanging information. Like for instance, we meet on a secure platform. We have email and document sharing that's all secure. We make sure that that supervisee has permission to share personal identifiable information and video footage, et cetera, of that Mm -hmm. client with supervisor and all those things. And the management has approved this uh, working relationship. Mm-hmm. So all those things are definitely considerations. Make sure that you have that. Oh, and also the legal requirements of the setting. So some 
States, for instance, have requirements where people like in Ohio. So we both live in Ohio. In order, unless you're on an exempt group, in order to engage in ABA in the state of Ohio, typically you need to be a certified Ohio behavior analyst. That's something mm. to consider if you're going to provide services to a supervisee who resides in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Can that supervisor provide services in Ohio and mm. implement mm-hmm. ABA? So some states have requirements and funding sources do as well. Yes, absolutely. Certain states, you have to be really careful with that. And if we get a new state that comes up, Rachel always calls and <laughs> you're getting all the logistics of, of all the nitty gritty rules. I'm better at the TikToks, you know, and all those things. So uh, it's the yin to the yang. Um, so if you had to give a, a new BCBA or somebody studying one piece of advice, what would you tell someone who is studying to become a BCBA? What would be some words of, of wisdom? Be skilled at diverse learners, diverse ages, be able to apply the content to real life situations as well. You know, ABA, yes, it works for individuals with autism, but those are not the only people who can benefit from ABA. And each try and have access to learning diverse types of learners, settings, ages, disabilities. I work with kids that don't have disabilities, but mm-hmm. still need ABA. I use mm-hmm. ABA on myself to maintain the hundred plus pound weight loss every <laughs> right. that I did five and a half years ago. Like ABA can be used in many ways. Mm-hmm. And for somebody who's working towards certification to really be able to apply that as a professional with lots of different diverse learners is so valuable. Love that. So very important. So if anybody wants to learn more about you and your work, where can they where can they find you? Thank you so much. So the two websites I'll share are Supervision Academy. So www.supervisionacademy.com, which Rose and I are both co-owners with together. And my self-employed company is behavioral and educational expert services.com. You can also access it by going to racheltorrance.com. You can just put my name in. And um, that's my website with a little bit about the services that we provide. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was great to chat with you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thanks, Rose. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.